I had to shake him on my last case, big O don't play. Welcome back to another episode of the Musky Hunks Podcast. I'm one of your four hosts this evening. We're down a hunk. My name is Ryan Reed. We have three other hunks on the line tonight. And first hunk, we're going to jump right over to the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Owen Seaman and Big O's Bucktails. How are you tonight? Good good evening, guys. Missed you guys. Uh, You know, we haven't having a podcasted in a week or over a week so you know this is feels long nice yeah it's nice to be back and we are down a hunk tonight but that's because we are going to be adding yet another baby hunk here soon uh with baby fiesler uh her shout out to nick and larissa they are in the hospital because larissa's water broke quite uh not you know not like super crazy early but early enough to to put her on bed rest for about a week and then uh then they'll be ready ready for baby fiesler so there are hopefully they you know they are getting comfortable at the hospital and they could not join us here tonight but we're thinking about them we almost caught it on the podcast the water breaking if we were like one day earlier and actually did what we said we were going to do and recorded that episode we could have had a live baby fiesler almost <laughs> I'm not going to touch that one, but I will say it was nice seeing Nick and Larissa. They called in real quick just to say hi to us. So. From the hospital. From the hospital. That's dedication. We're getting live updates. It's amazing. So, uh, Seaman household doing well? Yes, very well. Busy. Busy getting into the swing of things for the summer. So, getting getting ready for summer. So, all ready for, to be on the water a lot this year, guys. Hopefully, after this weekend, I'm going to be fishing pretty much every weekend that's awesome well glad to hear it we also have on the line here mr donnie swink good evening guys how's how's baby swink doing she's doing great she's awesome man she's she uh just recently this week learned how to roll over and it's incredible like now it was one day while i was at work my wife texted me chelsea texted me she said she just rolled over by the end of that night. You can no longer sit her on her back. Like there is no staying. It's, it's now immediate. She, as soon as you sit her on her back, whap, right onto her belly. And then she just looks at you and laughs. <laughs> well, she's going to be on the move here soon. And then, oh, yeah, oh, then, all, then all bets are off. She got, she, she's kicking and pulling and everything. She just hasn't got the full rhythm of it down. Once she figures it out, it's going to be off to the races. She'll be clearing rods. You'll have her clearing rods and setting setting rods. I was going to say I got her prepping. (laughs) She's got, she's going to have quicks like her daddy. Yeah. I have her watching fishing PA with Ryan Reed to learn the ropes. Oh my. Studying up. Might want to start her on my trout videos. Oh oh, man. I don't even know (laughs) where this is is going, but we also have on the phone tonight, Mr. Tom Venata. Yellow, no kids. Hello. Got a new Hello. cat though. New cat. New, new cat alert. Cat. Uh that's uh that's good. Yeah. Or, not quite as exciting. It's kind of like anticlimactic. Not not as cool as kids, but she's pretty cool. I have a couple cats. No kids here, 
So she shits like a horse. <laughs> <laughs> she wait, she's like five pounds. She's five pounds and takes like two pound shits. I don't even hey, know how it works. How's the new cat? <laughs> shits like a horse. <laughs> Basically. Healthy, healthy dumps. Wow. Well, that's good. I'm glad she has healthy yep. bowel movements. We're, uh, we're all happy for you. Yep. So uh, Kayla's doing good. Yeah, good. 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 Not here tonight. So low tonight. So low. Stay right. up as late as I want. Nice. Wow. Well, it is, you know, just for the record, the hunks have not broken up. No. We've, we've had several comments lately. We had a bye week. Mm-hmm. We were on bye. It's okay. It happens. Tom Star guest ghosted us, but we don't have to go there. And we all blew it. We were gonna Threw we were gonna do this last week too, but we all were like, know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Threw us good. all into a loop. Everything started falling apart. We'll just Thank say you. Nick Nick ruined it all since he's not here. Thanks yeah, a lot, we- Musky three sixty. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we've been planning on it. We've been trying to do this electronics episode here for a little while, so we figured we let's let's go ahead and and do one here tonight because we are all needless to say novices when it comes to our electronics and i think we've kind of touched on on some electronics questions with some of our past guests that are more uh more familiar with it and and more have more expertise but i think what we kind of want to talk about tonight is is really us from a beginner standpoint like what the what the setups are that we use right now and kind of like what uh like I don't know, like where you started, because uh, I mean, I remember just using, you know, like a just remember that regular fish finder, like just goldfish a, cracker. Yes, the goldfish. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, and it seems like that was so simple. And then you and it, it hey, look, it just chirps and it shows you a little fish there. There must be a fish right under a boat, right? A big one or a small one? There were like two yeah. options on ours. Yeah. And then you go you to the stuff the today. To find out. <laughs> you go to the stuff today and it's, you know, with the Garmin Live Scope and, you know, the, what is it? The, the Humminbird 360. Is that their version of it? I believe. No, it's, the Mega 360. It's mega, mega Live now. 360 is another thing. It's something different. Oh, is it? Hummingbirds is mega live. That's their newest and greatest. The 360 was basically like it was very similar to side scan, but you could it was on a a pole so that you could rotate it. I think basically so that you could get a full view, not just side side. But it's like the full 360 degree view around your boat. It's like side scan wrapped the entire way around front and back. So, but it's still not live. That brings me to a very basic question that I will have before we even get started. And that is how to read your unit in terms of where your boat is positioned with what you're seeing on the, uh, like I'm seeing on the screen. What I mean is, um, okay, we all run hummingbirds. We'll get, we'll get to exactly what we, what we are running. And when you're looking at, um, when you're looking at the unit, you know, where is what you're looking at on the screen? Like what you're looking at on the screen, where is it when I look out on the water? Is it to, and I'm talking like the, just like the regular down imaging. Down imaging? Yeah. That's under, 
Bound so images under. under the boat. Yeah, I know. I, I know. Under that's very easy to say. Under. Okay, but where but under yeah. under under looking ahead of us, under looking behind us? That, that's like, all that's, going to be based on your boat position and your transducer position. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I my transducer's on the stern, and it's just and just mounted as I've seen every other mm-hmm. you know hummingbird transducer. Right. So that's it's shooting a cone down. Like think of yes, like a flashlight. So if yeah, you're on down then, imaging flashlight. And then the next thing is, yeah. It, so you, it's it's going to vary. I mean, every boat's going to be slightly different, but essentially you're going to be looking at you know for the most part. Obviously, if you're mounted on the stern, which majority are going to be, unless you're mounted like on your trolling motor, uh, you're going to be looking down, and obviously slightly, usually kind of behind your boat, but it depends on what, you know, again, with that position of that transducer. And it also depends on there's different settings in your down imaging or your sonar. It's going to shape your the cone. And okay. I can't really speak right now without looking at it, like what makes it wider and what makes it more narrow. But I know that, you know, those settings do that and it's going to change what you're looking at. Like you can look at a, a you know, a wider range uh, but when you do that, you lose some of your depth, I think, you know, as far as once you, if you're getting into deeper water, then you're going to lose some of the precision of what you're looking at. So there's a lot that goes into it, but I mean, I think in a very general answer, it would be, you're kind of looking almost straight down from wherever your transducer position would be. I think is probably where you would, you know, what you could kind of picture in your mind if it's pointing straight down. You know what I'm if saying? If you have it set yeah. you also have to vision a cone. So if you're That's, fishing from, if you're fishing out of the bow, like most people, most people will if they're fishing, you know, on their own, and your transducers in the back. I mean, are you really not necessarily casting at what you're seeing underneath you? I guess uh, so. unless you're, you're casting at your outboard. Yeah. yeah, if you're casting at your outboard, then you're yeah. or jigging you're maybe towards the back. Yeah, and but... it, that depends too on the direction your boat's moving. I mean, right, because your boat going forward, like pointing like off the the bow of your boat, or are you going forward? Because then you're it's way behind you. You could theoretically cast at it, you know. Like if but it's... what I mean, uh, it, the the truth is like oh, and if you don't know exactly where you you're looking, like. Uh, you know, the, the first, the best thing you could do, in my opinion, is to get it, get on your boat, put it in 2D sonar, like put it, put it on your 2D sonar and just put a bondy on and, and jig yeah. around your tr- you can watch transducer. It. Or you, okay. you could do it yeah. down imaging too, whatever, and, and, and get an idea of where you're seeing your bait. You know, you're going to move it and you're going to come in and out of that cone and then you're going to kind of start uh, I see yeah. I heard a tip. where you're looking. That makes sense. And, and yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It. Okay. I heard a tip. I don't remember where, if it was like a podcast or a video, but like you're down imaging, you think of that as like a flashlight. So you shine a flashlight, it's going to put out like a circular, like, like Donnie said, it's a cone. If you're side imaging, you think of that, like you ever go in a car wash and they have those like soap jets, they make like a wall of soap. It's like, you know, it's just a wall. It's not a, not a cube. It's not a cone. It's a wall. 
that's your side imaging. As you're driving along, side imaging is putting a sonar down that's like a wall scanning the bottom. Whereas your down imaging, it's a cone. Right. And now with that cone, so your cone's bigger at the bottom, it's small at the top, right? You picture like your sonar at the top, your right. beam is very narrow, the bottom, it's very wide. So that translates on your screen too. So say you see a fish, like you're like, oh, I see something two feet down on my regular 2D down imaging sonar or whatever. That fish had to be in a very specific spot for that sonar to pick it up. You know what I mean? Because your cone is very small at the top. Whereas at the bottom, that cone, say you're in 60 feet of water, that down imaging cone is hitting a further like, surface area on the bottom. So that fish that's showing up on your screen, it could be in a very wide range of places compared to a fish you're seeing at the top of that cone. Which is like, it's crazy to think about, but I watched that in a video one time and it all made sense. It was like, whoa. There's a lot of different examples out there too, because I've seen like when you talk about the side imaging stuff, like you go to musky shows and these guys talk about electronics. Like I've watched uh, Greg Thomas one time take a piece of paper and fold it. And the way he like folded this piece of paper, people can't see me doing this, but it ended up with like a flat middle part. And then you basically have like what looks like a boat. And then on both sides, it's like flat. So if you guys were seeing this, this would be the middle part would be elevated, and then the flat side would be on both sides, and that's like representing the actual boat. And the side imaging where the paper comes out flat, that indicates like where that side scan is actually hitting. So there's like a whole. If you go out online, like exactly what Tom's talking about. You know, there's so many different examples out there of like how people explain that cone or that wall when you're talking about side imaging. And I think like for somebody like me who doesn't have any experience really with boat electronics, like I do electronics every single day of my life. You know, I work in IT, but I, I have little experience with boat electronics. You know, that stuff is really helpful just to get a baseline understanding of what and how these things work. And I've, I've watched the videos on Humminbird's website, especially regarding the side scan, the side imaging. And, and yeah, you can see they, they, they do a pretty good job of, of kind of allowing you to envision what you're seeing. I just, and maybe it's just like in my mind's eye, I have a hard time, you know, envisioning it when I'm standing on my boat, exactly what I'm, you know, envisioning underwater. And, and I think, I don't know, I, it, a lot of it just has to do with, I, 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 I overwhelm myself by expecting to see more on my, to, to see more of my electronics than I'm, than I'm seeing. So let's start like, so, okay, I'm running, I have two hummingbird units on my little boat. One is a helix five with just down imaging. The other is the helix seven with the, uh the mega side imaging uh and they are not paired up so i have two transducers i have i have the the mega side imaging on the back and then i had my down imaging like my my regular helix 5 with just the down imaging mounted on my trolling motor and and so and I had all kinds of problems with that one. I I don't know whether I don't know whether I was getting interference from 
from my trolling motor or whether I didn't have it mounted properly. But I once I, I did that, I had nothing but problems with with my Helix 5 up front, you know, just giving me crazy readings, you know, never being on, you know, tell them, constantly telling me I'm in 968 feet of water. You know, it's like, uh, come on. I know that's not, I know that ain't the case. It's pretty deep out there at the Dota. I don't know. Yeah. So, so I, that's, that's one of my issues is, is this, this year I would like to get my units paired and run them both off of my, the transducer that I have in the back. And, but I'm, you know, I'm still working on getting the new trolling motor installed. So if I can get the new trolling motor installed, I'm, I might move on. to That has a built-in transducer, the Tarovas, the, the fancy yeah, top end ones, they have the built-in transducer on them, which Does is it? cool. Yeah, it should. I think hmm. so. You got the same one as me, didn't you? Yeah. It should have a hummingbird mega down imaging transducer built into it. Hmm. Okay. Well, I will so, have to check that out. Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm hoping to get up to the lake this Thursday night and spend the day, you know, spend Friday working on my boat because it needs, it's, it, it needs it right now. That's a beautiful thing though, because when you do it, like I do, I have, I don't have the fancy trolling motor yet. So mine's, it's not Jerry rigged, but it's borderline Jerry rigged onto the bottom of the trolling motor. And like you said, if I, like, if I notice if I keep my trolling motor down and I run my gas engine, that's when I'll get the crazy reading on that front one that reads off the trolling motor. It'll just tell me I'm in a thousand feet or go from zero to a thousand. So all I do is just power down, power up. And it usually reads well again. But with that, I was saying like your built-in transducer is nice because when you have that jerry rigged like I do, I've knocked that transducer off like three or four times, I think. Just getting in shallow water and I hear, and I'm like, oh, there it goes. But like you're the built-in one, it's kind of, it doesn't stick out like, it does when you wire one onto the bottom of your trolling motor, which I think that's really cool. I'm going to have to check that out. But so, so, you know, I'm running, I'm normally running two units. I have one at, at my console and then I have, because I like to fish out of the, the stern of my boat. I have the, the five right next to me. Um, you know, when I'm standing on the stern. So I don't know. I, it looks like I have good electronics, but I don't, I don't really have a clue what the hell I'm, I'm doing with any of it. Like not at all. Well, well, at least we you, all. at least you have a boat. You can get out there and spend some time with it. Cause I gotta, yeah. I gotta, when you talk about me learning electronics, I'm basically waiting, you know, for a seat to open up and then Donnie or Tom or you or Charlie just to be like, Hey, why don't you drive for a little Ryan, bit? Ryan's just sitting in his bathtub playing with his fish hawk, yeah. seeing how far down he can get his baits in the tub. Exactly. <laughs> it, it may change sooner than sooner than later, but we'll see. But it's like, that's the thing. Owen. I think you have opportunities to get out there and play with it, you know, and sometimes that's what it takes. Oh, it's more than sometimes. I mean, really that's, that's what it all comes down to. It's just, you know, and then you, just like we always talk about when being weekend warriors, like you only get so much time to fish and how much of that time do you spend monkeying with your electronics or do you just say, screw it and start casting whatever right. it is. I don't care that my graph says I'm in 900 feet of water. I know the weed lines over here. I'm just casting. 
Mm-hmm. Right. That's exactly what ends up happening. That's exactly what ends up happening. Yep. Every time, you know, you only have an hour, hour and a half to fish. I want to get out to that spot and I want to cast it. I don't want to like monkey around with my electronics. So well, you I need said to find one... a day, you know, where I can really go out there and just, just mess around with it and experiment with it. Cause that that's, you know, obviously it's just like anything with musky fishing. It's, you know, the more time, you, you know, you, you, it need, you have to have time on the water with this stuff to really get a comfort level with it. Well, you said one thing, Owen, that it kind of like jumped out at me. You were like, I want to move both of my transducers to the back. And like the reason when I was setting mine up, I had no idea where to put them. Like I, I had no clue. So I talked to a bunch of people and one was Vance and he was telling me, if you have your one up front and your one in the back, not only can you kind of see the difference between like where, you know, where you're at, like say your front end's reading five feet, your back end's reading 15 feet, you know, your boat's positioned in a way where you're on a break. And then you can kind of visualize, you can kind of connect the dots. You know, you have two data points, you have your front and your back. You can kind of picture what happens or say you see a crib under your trolling motor unit on down imaging. And then all of a sudden you see it on your back. You can kind of, picture better where that is versus seeing it on one graph you know what i mean or seeing it read from one location if you yeah, have that makes sense if you have a reading from two spots it's just kind of draw the line connect the dots and it's way easier to tell where things are for me anyway so and i mean it's a game changer if that tarova has uh, a transducer in it i mean that's that'll 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 make things a hell of a lot easier for me mm-hmm so what so owen you have the you have the helix five and a helix seven yeah do we get to donnie and tom what model do you guys have i'm easy i'm the same as owen i think identical actually all right so you have the helix seven reading off the, the the stern and then you have your helix five reading off the bow okay and so let me ask you guys this so you're primarily using the five then when you're casting right because you're up on the bow of the boat it's reading off your trolling motor so it's only picking up a reading when that trolling motor is deployed which is which is why that was another thing i talked about with vance like i I by no means did it the right way like there are way better ways than i did it like you could (laughs) you could spend a boat worth on electronics but i wanted to do it like the typical cheap ass tom way and i think i did it all right but like the front unit, I don't have any of the side imaging, any of the fancy bells and whistles. It's a 2D helix. It's like the cheapest helix five you can get. No GPS, no anything, because the only time that's running is when that trolling motor is deployed. So, like, if I'm trolling, that unit's not on. If I'm hopping spot to spot, I'm not picking up a GPS reading off it. I'm picking it up off my dash one, which has, like, all the bells and whistles. And Okay, so let me ask you guys this then. And, and Donnie, I'll, I'll come back to you. You know, when you guys, you're, so you're, oh, and you have the exact same model as Tom, right? So are you guys literally only using the 2D while you're casting? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, the, yeah, I see Donnie's, I was going to say there's an exception there. No, I'm just, I, I guess my question is, what, are you just using that just for, to measure depth or what exactly? Yeah, are that's, you that's all that is. Is that it? Is it then and as a depth find? Yeah. And if I'm okay. jigging off like the front deck, I can, like you said earlier, I can see my bait, like where it's at. If I set sensitivity up high enough, I can pick up where it, at, where it is in the water column versus where the weeds are coming up to or. Okay. That makes whatever. sense to me. That makes a lot of sense to me to have that. Mm-hmm. My only question is that when you're casting and again, like 
this is coming from me. Like I have no idea what I'm doing, you know, 95% of the time, like would side scan be of benefit, you know, on the bow of the boat, whenever you got on a trolling motor. I'm just wondering, uh, do you mean on a trolling motor, Ryan? Like not necessarily on the trolling motor. I mean, you might be, this might be a scenario where the answer to that's no, but I'm just wondering if it was like mounted on the front of the boat somewhere, does that give you any benefit when you're talking weed lines? The only thing with that, I was hoping you, I had that in my phone written down for a little note, how messy side scan can get on a trolling motor. Cause I was thinking about that. Cause you see, you see your side scan, like how it, me, how Owen and I have it mounted. It's on stern. It's never moving. You know, it's not rotating. Like it's, unless your boat spins, that beam is not moving. But when you're up on the trolling motor, especially if you have that thing on autopilot or spot lock, it's spinning, it's turning. So your beam, your side scan at all times is getting jacked up. It's like if you were doing donuts on side scan, unless you have a way of being like a ninja with that, where you can like turn it and point it where you want it to read, like that could get messy, which I'm sure people do. I'm sure there are guys out there that are ninjas and they can like turn their trolling motor and point their side scan where they want it to read. Like, I mean, I I don't find sides. I don't find side scan to be use very useful casting. I mean, that you know, for oh, my I, limited I limited there. use. Do you? I, uh, yeah, I definitely disagree with you on that one. I'm just but thinking. I, I mean, well, that's why I fish my stern though, is because uh, well, number one, I like I, I prefer to land fish in the back anyway, so I'd rather be back there than on my bow. Uh, but number two. Uh, I mean, I, I, because I want to run my side imaging and I don't have a side imaging transducer on the front anyway, but I believe that's why they don't, that's probably why they don't even the, the transducer that comes with the, in the Tarova isn't side scan capable. It's only mega down imaging capable. And I'm assuming that's because of the lack of consistency with it if it were lacked on a troll mounted on a trolling motor rather but yeah i mean that's why i fish in the back is so that i can watch my side imaging that's what i'm running the whole time in the back if i'm casting and the reason i asked this is because i fished with all of you i think at this point and i've also fished casting with like vance and I've, I've been on enough boats to where it's like just one of those question marks in my mind. Like, you know, if I'm looking at buying a boat with, with electronics, like I've seen what a weed edge looks like on side scan. And it's just super cool to have that weed edge, like right there within, you know, with visible, whereas like 2d, yes, I feel like you can still kind of see and understand, but like that side scan, that, that weed edge really sticks out. But with that, you have to become like quick on your feet too. Like you have to know what it's set at. Like say you have your unit set, like the factory settings, it reads like what Donnie, like a hundred feet to each side or like something ridiculous right out of the box. Yeah. I think it's Where, 100. Yeah. yeah. You can adjust so, all that. Yeah, and so there's you, actually a setting that, uh, that that's on there that I have on mine that it'll, you can put a grid. It'll show you increments. Like that's how I have mindset to show, I think 20 foot increments. There's just a, a, a thin white line so that it, it like, it'll say, I, I think I, you know, if, cause I'm adjusting mine all the time, depending on where I'm at, I might have it out to 60. I might have it out to hundred depending on if I'm casting or if I'm trolling or, or what have you, but you know, it'll, it might be, you know, 26, you know, 40, 60, 80 or, or whatever. 
but that's a very useful tool i think in my opinion mm-hmm. uh just you know it helps you kind of it you know at least for me it helps you make sense of mm-hmm. how far, how like, far is that trolling, like okay i'd be like i'm looking that's 20 feet out there that's probably where my board line is you know or whatever uh you know, I, I like having it set that way. Some people don't like it because it, it does cover a small sliver of the screen with a line, but I don't know. It doesn't bother me. And you were saying about adjusting settings there. That's a good thing, too, because I was another video I watched. It was saying, say you're in like, say you have your unit set to like 100 feet on each side. It's reading out 100 feet to your left, 100 feet to your right, 200 feet total, I guess. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. you're say you're in 80 feet of water, which is insane, but let's just theoretically you're in 80 feet of water. Your unit isn't reading a full hundred to each side. It's losing some of that distance in the depth. So you say you're up in real shallow water. You might have your unit set to like a hundred on each side. It's reading a true hundred on each side, probably maybe a little less, but then you go out to 80 feet of water. It's you got to keep in mind. It's not reading a true hundred anymore. Right. It's, it, it's losing some of that in the depth. Which you see on your screen is that black area, the black area on each side to like where the yellow or whatever color you have it set to where that starts. That's like your depth pretty much. Mm -hmm. This, I want to come back to this for, for a second, but I want to ask Donnie real quick. What, what units do you have on your boat or unit? One unit, two transducers. Uh, We kind of already talked about it, but I have Helix 10 mega side imaging gen three. And then I have, you know, the, the transducer that came with that unit, the side imaging transducer mounted on the stern. And then my trolling motor has that compatible mega down imaging built in. So all I had to do was run another power cord and a gimbal mount onto the bow. And I have that, that I can put up there, but truth be told, I don't ever do it. Uh, I, I fish, if I'm casting, I'm fishing out of the back. I prefer to be on the back. And if I'm, I I don't, you know, I I have really personally, I don't find much of a use for that front unit. I mean, I know what Tom's saying. I definitely can see how that could be useful. You know, if I'm not going to say it's not helpful. Especially like Owen, if you're struggling to picture where, visualize where things are. But if you're like, you're kind of a little more seasoned, I think you can point out where that is. is. If I had it, you know, you know, if I wanted to throw a couple hundred dollar unit up there, I mean, sure. I think it would be helpful for that, but like to spend another $2,000 for another, (laughs) you know, unit, just like the one I have to mount it up there, I just, it it just didn't seem necessary to me. I just don't see, you know, it just doesn't seem like the, the reward for the the price is there for what I would use it for. But yeah, I mean, I'm just running that one on the back and uh, I I like being back there where that side imaging is because, uh, you know, like I was saying, I mean, you know, I, you, I have seen many times you see follows on the side imaging. That's where you know, I like to be casting right where I know that my side imaging transducer is looking, you know, when I'm doing my figure eights, I see my figure eights on the screen. You know, sometimes there's been times where I've seen deep fish following my figure eights that I didn't even know were there. And I've got, got them to eat just because I kept figure eight because I saw, saw the fish on the screen. 
where I may have just pulled the bait out of the water and throw another cast and didn't even know that fish was there. So, I mean, that's, that's an incredible tool to be using uh, when you're casting for sure. I, I will say I saw that with you earlier this year on a body of water. We were casting a specific spot and I, I had thrown a bait out and you looked down at the screen and said, there's a fish there. And I was, I was kind of amazed. Like I just turned and just saw the graph for a split second. And I was kind of amazed because it, we, we marked that fish like a few minutes earlier and it definitely came like closer. You could just tell on the graph, it was closer to the boat, you know, yeah. higher in the column. And I think that that is really interesting. And that's one reason why I think, you know, in addition to that weed edge and things like the side scan would be, would be interesting. But I also like fishing out of the back of the boat. I've always, you know, we've, we've rented boats and things like that in the past. And I always wanted to be in the back of the boat. Donnie always puts me up front cause I'm fat, but it's uh, <laughs> cause I like to be in the back of the boat. It's, it's my boat. Right. And that's the same way <laughs> I am. Donnie. I, I prefer to be in the back. Boat, I'll go up front. <laughs> I just had to, I had to break up the monotony for a second. <laughs> Getting really into it there. Uh, no, but uh, I, you want to know the truth, Ryan. I'm also usually trying to give my guests the first shot at at the fish. I know you are, and, but I and also I, and I like to be on the back of the boat, so it's both. I'll let it, you take the first swing, and I'll back clean up where I feel comfortable. It don't make a difference to me where you're driving <laughs> the boat to pull my snag out. <laughs> That's <laughs> all I have to say. Uh, I like I'm making you run the motor. I know. Oh, I couldn't do Lord. it anyway. Well, now, Donnie, you recently got that Garmin unit, right? Yes. Yes. And what do you, what's your plan for that? What exactly was is that unit that you got? I, I, well, what I got is actually, I mean, it's it's a whole, I think it's a side imaging unit. I don't even know, but I don't really care because I'm not going to use that transducer that came with it for anything probably. But I really only bought it for the head unit, but uh, I got it through Mac discount and it was, you know, a good price on it. So I pulled the trigger on it and you know, I didn't necessarily need the transducer that came with it for my plans, but my goal is to set it up. Uh, what, what I, what I'm going to do with it, I want to set it up as an ice bundle, but oh, something okay. that I could keep mobile and, and bring ice fishing and onto my boat to, used for trolling and, and fishing, jigging, live baiting, so on and so forth. But keeping it a completely mobile unit that I can bring on the boat when I want to use it and take it off. And I learned, you know, that's how my friend Jesse Smith does it. Uh, that, that was, you know, I, I'm not sure where he came up with that idea. I'm assuming I know he was one of the first people, you know, as soon as live scope kind of hit, he was all over it, you know, and, and he's, Put, logged a lot of hours with it and he knows what he's doing with it and uh, i've been lucky enough to get to fish with him a good bit and see you know what he's doing with it a little bit and it's uh it's pretty neat the way he does it but like you know he can take it uh on the boat and you know he has a mobile transducer that will the mounting bracket will fit right into his track you know, say like rod holder track and it's on okay. a pole and you tighten it down and then, you know, you just turn it and 
that gives you the ability to rotate your transducer to look at the baits while you're trolling and things like that or whatever to because it, it's all pivots on a, on a, you know it's, it's like all, a trolling motor shaft almost it yes, sticks off the side and exactly and and you have the handle and you turn it and point it wherever you want and then you just sit the unit right down in your the ice bundle right down on the floor of your boat and boom you're in business you know you're live scoping and just as easily if you want to go ice fishing you take it you know on the ice and drill a hole and set it down and and do that that side of it so that's my goal with it uh i'm what kind hoping of, what kind of battery by, what kind of battery do you use they run on they, they have those small you know like 12 volt portable batteries same thing that would you know any ice fishing unit would would take it's 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 a car battery but it's much smaller you know for a mobile purposes so you could do that or you can also uh you can run like gator clips you know when you're on your boat you, you can keep those mobile batteries but when you're on your boat you can get long just, wires and just like gator clip it to your battery or something right. too your boat batteries so there's there's multiple ways you could do it but uh I'm hoping to have mine ready for ice season this year. I'm, I don't think I'm going to be having it on my boat this season, probably next year, but I got some other things, some trips and stuff to take precedence. Cause I got the head unit, like we talked about, but I still got to buy the, the, all the mounts and, and the transducer and the black box thing. It's a work in and progress. That's all, uh, that's all pricey stuff. So I, I think it's probably still, still a little ways off i got a i got a few bucks to spend but i'm i'm working on it i i have a, an idea of where i want to get and i'm going to get there and once i do um i'm pretty excited about what you know my what i'll be able to do on my boat with with the electronics that i'll have that live scope transducer is pretty expensive isn't it yeah i mean i think like i said I think between with the brackets and the transducer and the black box thing that I still have to buy, I'll probably still have like, you know, maybe somewhere from like 800 to a thousand bucks. I think somewhere in there. So, I mean, when you're into it, it I want to say it's like, you know, it's like $2,500 to get into it the whole way around something yeah. like that to, you know, I think there might be, ways you could do it a little cheaper or a little more expensive depending on things that you do but i feel like that's the average when you talk to people if you're going to get into it that's probably what it's going to cost you i could can i throw a weird spin on this one real quick donnie since you said you're sure. talking I, you're talking about a, a crossover unit for ice fishing and stuff i had a note mm -hmm. in my phone so i got a question for ryan reed here that's going to be about electronics. How many times, and you're a fellow bank yanker. How many times have you gone bank yanking, put on your favorite lure, whatever, thrown it out, and it hit the bottom and you lost it? Because you had no idea what you were casting into. That's never happened to me. Really? Because <laughs> that's okay. Well, that happened to me like a million times. I figured it would have happened to you where I put on like a rubber bait, throw it out. Turns out I'm casting into like one foot of water. I have no idea where the hell I'm at. I mean, from the bank. I think it's safe to assume that if you're a bank yank and that it's happened at least a million times to each of us. Yeah. Well, so the, the one thing I was thinking, I had it in my phone. We used to use them for like carp fishing and stuff. Would hit these like local ponds and stuff where you're not even allowed to put like like paddle boats and you can't even get out there. 
So they make those little, they're like stupid little bobbers that tell you like the depth and stuff. Uh, If you're, if you're bank fishing, I mean, you're using 40, 50, 60, sometimes hundred dollar lures. You can get one of those for like 50 bucks on eBay. Chuck it out. If you're in a new bank spot, chuck it out there. Make sure you're not throwing your prized possessions out into one foot of water. Cause you don't, we take it for granted being out there in the boat. We know how deep everything is at all times. But when you're bank fishing, man, you, you have no idea. You hear guys. We are all over the place right now with electronics we went this, from this, this is a we quick one we don't have to talk about this one before we get back to hummingbird to electric bobbers just like well that. no before we get back to the the, the <laughs> hummingbird tips and tricks i'm just saying man it's if you, you ask you ask 10 bank fishermen how deep is that water out there you'll get 10 different answers one guy will say five feet one guy will go oh it's 50 feet deep out there let's just put on one get one of those cheap little things if you're a bank anchor you don't have to spend a thousand bucks on electronics. Get yourself a fifty dollar little junk depth finder and help yourself out, man. It's and, and you guys wanted to know why I threw the little the little bass baits and the Ugo stick. It's yeah, there I've you lost, go. I've lost way too many baits out there. there you go. I've looked. I've looked at those little bobber things like at Dick Sporting Goods, and I've always wondered like. Should I spend another fifty dollars in my life? To if you're get bank this? yanking, man, we used to, they do work. They they're not going to tell you where the weed lines are, but you're going to know if you're throwing your baits into five feet of water or twenty feet of water. You know. Yeah, I I will tell you guys. So you know, this is me renting boats my entire life. You know, my dad, we're on vacation, whatever. We'd rent boats. Uh, Glendale Lake. Me and my dad, and my brother would go camp there. We'd rent just whatever boat they had available. You know. I can tell you, I can honestly tell you having like buying one of those cheap little buddy one tens, I think mm-hmm. those are hummingbird units The you know how many fish I've caught just knowing the water depth, like yeah. it's, it's huge. It's a, it's a big deal. And you know, like a hundred bucks, you can get one of those for like and boat rentals. Honest to God, I, we have these fancy units and stuff. We have all these settings, sometimes split screen, like four different ways. Half the time, I'm looking at it to figure out how fucking deep it is. I'm looking past the $900 worth of bells and whistles to see how deep is that water. Like, yeah, and that's always been like my thing. Like when you're when you're basically like bouncing crawler harnesses and things like that, just for panfish or walleye or whatever, like. There's been times where I've taken that thing out. And it's like, oh, the little fish alarm's going off in 13 feet of water. We're gonna stay in 13 feet, and it, it it's Go. paid. It's paid off like every time. It's but, insane. Right, you're not. What's that? Donnie's out there using mega side imaging, and I'm sitting there with a freaking little buddy 110, just banging on bluegills and perch all day. But you're right. You're not entirely. I had a note in my phone too. You're not entirely an electronics uh, virgin. You, you're kind of experienced with one thing. Do you know which one I'm getting at? I was joking about it with you earlier. The old fish hawk. I'd, I'd say you're the. Yeah, yeah that one. Yeah. Yeah. Fish, fish hawk, cock. Yeah. yeah. I mean. So you want to talk a little about that? Maybe your experience with. I don't. Yeah, I didn't I'm, know about that until you. Honestly. Well, see, a lot of and the thing is, like, I didn't know about it until Evan showed me. Like anything that I can get electronically that's going to help me step my game up on the water, I want to do it. But that's why we're here right now talking about this is because there's guys out there that don't have boats. There's guys out there that struggle with electronics that don't know electronics like we do. Like Owen said it before, like he struggles with his electronics, like any little tip or trick you can get and and any piece of electronics that's going to make your life easier because that's what they're supposed to do, right? Like they're supposed to make... 
they're supposed to make your life easier, make the the quote unquote job easier. Donnie, go ahead before we get any further down well, that rabbit hole. You said any little tip or trick, I, I'm going to give the best tip I think I could possibly give anybody with their electronics. If you're new to electronics, if you're buying electronics, if you just bought a boat, this is the first unit you've ever used. I wish somebody would have told me this. And if they did, I wish I would have listened to this. But map and use your waypoints. That is the most useful tool on your electronics that so many people are not utilizing. And it's crazy because it is so easy to do and it is so helpful. And it's just, it's just doing it. It's just being in tune with your electronics and actually, you know, that kind of what we already talked about at one point where it's like, you just want to fish. And if you're not familiar with them, you don't really even want to take the time, but like, it's just such a huge tool down the line to be able to see these patterns and, and see these places and where you caught fish in the past and, and why these things are happening. And, you know, you start going back to these certain places and it's, it's, it's a very, very, very important tool. Do you guys all use auto chart? Oh yeah. That, that was, I had a little note in my phone for some things, some weird stuff i wanted to talk about with that i know donnie yeah. probably does too i think that's that's like my favorite part of all the hummingbird units that i have mm -hmm. is just being able to you know make your own chart of whatever body of water you wanted i mean you got to mm -hmm. go out and buy that zero lines card mm -hmm. and and all that but worth every penny i i think it's absolutely absolutely worth every penny especially because when nick and uh my hummingbird head unit we just took my entire unit up there and plugged it in and and i was able to use my auto chart with my zero lines card in in auto chart up in canada uh, you know without you know without having to you know just use the the, the standard rental unit I, I was able to you know and set my own waypoints and do all these things that and be able to bring it home with me mm -hmm. and then next year when i go back up i'll take the same head unit and plug it in and, and boom you, you get like donnie's saying you get all your waypoints and you get all your you know your notes mm -hmm. and stuff like that well that i mean yeah I, I really like the the sort of the the compatibility of it all and that's why i really want to get my two units working together and talking to what you know at least talk at least reading off of the same you know giving me the same numbers because it, you know a lot of it is just about the 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 depth you know making sure you have the right mm -hmm. the right depth there well, so. oh and you were saying you're going to take it back up know. and plug it in that was one of the tip little things i had in my phone i don't know why people don't talk about it more so like on canandota that lake doesn't change much, right? As far as like the pool, like they draw it down in the winter or whatever, but like week to week, month to month during the summer, it's pretty static, right? It's not, not raising and falling. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a little different no, it's, for us. It's, it's, it's it never changes. Yeah. So you have nothing to worry about. You can no, auto chart. It does. I mean, it's flooded like crazy up there right now. Oh yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. I mean, but like, so on the rivers though, I mean, you're talking like pretty big differences. You could be in five feet of water like when it's low or if that water comes up, you could be in like 10, 15 feet of water in like extreme right. flood stages. So like one thing I'll do is there's a little feature on your units, sub buried away, like Donnie said, I can't tell you exactly how to get to it, but it's called depth offset. And that like 
in Canadota, it doesn't matter, whatever. But like at the river, what I'll do is I, in my phone and my notes at my favorite launches, I have like a baseline reading of how deep it is when I'm tied off to that dock. So say it's like, say my launch X is it's seven feet deep where I'm tied to that dock. And I know that's when I started auto charting. It's all based off of that seven feet at the dock. So say I launch my boat in high water and all of a sudden I'm reading 13 feet deep tied off to that same dock in the same spot. I know that water's up by what five feet. So I'll go into depth offset. And before you auto chart, you want to change that offset to like plus five feet or else you're going to jack your auto chart up because it's going to that that eight feet of water, suddenly 13 feet of water everywhere is five feet difference. You're going to override your old maps. It's going to change itself. It just it makes a mess. I did that a few times Donnie, before learning. Donnie, with how, with how much you fish the river, do you do that too? Do you use that feature? I do not, but uh, what I have, so my pool that I fish regularly on on my river is, it's actually, it's charted with Hummingbird Lake Master, and it is certainly not what I would consider accurate, but it's a baseline. Good enough. That I, that I go off of, and then I have. I'm charting all the time. Like it doesn't matter if I fish, you know, where I fish or if I fished there before. Like, you know, like let's just say I have I have Lake Arthur completely mapped, one hundred percent. But I still, as soon as I launch my boat, I turn auto chart on and I start mapping over it again. Like I'm always mapping because I feel like everywhere we're at is always changing. Uh, so I'm hummingbird. If you're pay, listening, why can't you? keep your auto chart on automatically you probably can there i've tried there's a way to do that but i don't probably do it. <laughs> yeah I, but it drives me crazy because once i'm out there i'm like you know i'm 45 minutes into fishing and i'm like damn it i didn't turn on auto chart and, yep. and you're like ah so i just can, wish it would come on can somebody talk to me about the zero lines card for a second like let me give you an example okay dan and i fish he has a Navionics chip. Yep. Okay. And that plugs right into his Helix 7. Yep. See, that's where I think I already know where you're going with this. And I'm sure it's probably where it gets tricky for him. My question is, with that Navionics chip, can you actually use AutoChart Live? You're not going to be able to do it at the same time with the helix seven because you only have one chip port correct he can't see like my helix 10 i can put in i have two ports so i can put in a map card like my hummingbird lake master chip that's always in with a bunch of preloaded maps or nat navionics if you will if it were that one and then put my zero lines card in right next to it that i can always have that auto charting too but with the helix i I think it's only nines and up that have the two ports if i'm not mistaken so like with a seven he would have to take his map out to put that in and chart and that's where it gets difficult for people because then while you're mapping you're fishing blind yeah and that's you can't look at your other map 
And I think that's been our one of one of our issues, like with it, as far as like being able to try to use auto chart, you know. And yeah, that, and I don't know that it necessarily hurts unless you have a year like last year where, say, specific reservoirs are like down five feet, or like maybe on the river scenario that you guys are talking about. You know, I think that's where. And I, you know, Donnie, I agree with you. Like if I had a boat, I would be auto charting the whole time. And I think, you know, the, the units that I've looked at to put on a boat right now, I think I'm kind of settled on our 10 or a 12. Um, and I only want the one unit because I, I feel like I fish probably very similar to the way you do. Like if I was by myself, I'd fish out of the back of the boat if I was casting. So it's just, that's, that's kind of an interesting question. Cause I didn't know that those Helix sevens only had the one port in them. Mm-hmm. Cause that's how my first one was. Uh, well, what, I mean, what I had on my old boat, I should say. Uh, and I knew that I had the same issue. So I figured that was what Dan was dealing with. Yeah. Well, I, I, I can only really run the zero lines card because Canadota isn't on any, um, isn't on any lake map it's not it's so small so mm-hmm. it's it's either you you map it yourself or you're just reading it on two you know on 2d and, and you know whatnot so i thought that was crucial for me was getting that zero lines card and, and just mapping the whole thing myself yeah i think that's that's sweet though for canon dota because mm-hmm. you i mean oh, once yeah. you get that thing mapped and you know where everything's at in that lake like Dude, that's like that's like my you know my dream is to be able to get a boat and like just map a lake like that and understand it. He doesn't even want to bottom. fish anymore. He just wants to be like I just a, want to what map. do they call those? Like the map people. I just want to drive around. A cartographer. A cartographer. Yeah. yeah. No, but I mean <laughs> that's a thing. Aqua cartographer. Yeah. You like, can maybe work for them. You could work for Humminbird just driving around and auto charting all the lakes for the Lake Master chips. But do you guys feel like I mean this is this is like the the gateway. I'm going to call it a drug. This is the gateway drug into like learning a lake, right? Like this is like, this is one way that you can really just go out onto a body of water with your electronics and learn a lake. Like how, I mean, never before could you go out and I guess really, I mean, learn a lake, like you're saying it, but really chart it and be able mm-hmm. to like walk, see the contours of the, of the bottom of the lake change as you're going over it. I, I think the auto chart is just one of the coolest things that's ever happened to happen to electronics. And I think about this a lot because like Tom, I'm going to pick on deep Creek Lake for this, for this yeah. reason. So Deanna and I, the one year we were out on our little boat that we rented and I had my little buddy fish finder. Okay. We're like maybe a hundred yards off the dock and I I'm looking at the graph and it was enough to be able to tell you, like there was something in the water, whether it was a giant, it looked like a giant log on the screen. You know, it's not giving you like real defined information there, but you could tell there was something there. Right. So I ended up jigging off of that hump or log or whatever. And we were, I mean, we were banging like five inch, you know, five pound largemouth off this stump had I, had I not drove over that with that little buddy, I'd, I had no idea it was there. But the point being is like every year we go back, like I hit that same area and we always get fish out of there. And that's just one little example of having a piece of crap electronics that has helped me catch fish in an area like that. So 
I'm thinking about this and I'm like, man, you know, if I had side scan or I had a, like a helix unit, I could really get out there and map those couple of weed beds that are out in front of that area and just like fully understand, you know, eventually how, how that would work. And I just like, that's what, that's what I'm talking about. Like I go back to Owen and Canon Dota, like every single aspect to that lake, every single area that could hold fish, like it's that right there is the gateway to figuring it out. So I don't know. It's just, it's cool it's because learning, I, it's yeah. learning how to do it. I mean, right. Uh, Cause I've, I feel like I, that's what I feel like I haven't found is, you know, how to read those little things, the subtleties to really find the, the spots within the spots. Whereas right now I'm still, I'm just, you know, still trying to figure out where weed beds start and end, you know, let alone, you know, where the inside turns are and things like that. It could be your settings too. I mean, I had that note in my phone too, like how you should be constantly like adjusting your sensitivities and stuff depending on the water. Cause like, I'll give an example. I'll throw power dam back under the bus. So power dam, it's like gin clear most days, not a lot of debris in the water. So you, in a place like that, you want to crank that sensitivity up because there's not a lot of like particulate in the water where that it's going to interfere with your sonar signal. So you can jack that like to as high as it goes usually until you start seeing like too much craziness. But then if you go from there to a lake like Canandota and you still have that sensitivity jacked up, a lake like Canandota, it's murkier, you know, there's more shit floating in the water that's going to interfere with that signal. So you want to make sure to crank that down to a place where it looks all right on your screen where you're not seeing interference from every little piece of algae and dirt floating in the water. So you got, you have to find that sweet spot. It's, it's anywhere you go. That's like one of the first things I'll do when I, I, I see, I turn the boat on, I let the motor run, I sit there and I play with my sensitivity till I, till it looks right. Cause that can really throw off the picture too. Yeah. See, I, I don't even know what looks right. You know what I mean? Like, so I, that I got, Oh, start. you will, you would. It's like, it's, it, it'll look like a staticky insane screen. If your sensitivity is like too jacked. Well, well we I know, do, I know is we, what we need to do is some weekend whether it's hunks weekend or if we get out there beforehand we need to go like for a day or two and we need to fish well i'll bring my boat too and we'll kind of compare and contrast and yeah and mess with settings and see what we're seeing and and try and yeah. try and get you tuned in and you don't have to be scared playing with those settings like there have been times where i've like done so much shit that i didn't know how to undo it so you just factory reset like you oh, just yeah. and it's not going to delete it's not going to wipe your waypoints it's just going to set your sensitivity or you know your side imaging distances it's going to reset all that the how it was out of the box so if you ever get in above your head and you're like oh shit like i just changed something that i don't know how to change back like just i heard that fart by the way it wasn't heard someone made. fart I Who think it was that? Donnie. I saw Donnie lift up one side in his chair. I think I did. <laughs> we'll see if the listeners caught that one because I caught it. I'm pretty sure Donnie farted. I'm just going to say it. I saw the lean. I saw the lean. I saw this. I'm pretty sure I didn't fart. But I would definitely admit if I farted. Now I kind of want to fart. But I feel like I'm going to get blamed for one now regardless. I yeah, might as well make it count. Find the fart. We'll send you a sticker. Come on. Make, <laughs> make Don, make Don senior proud. What the, uh, can I, 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 have, I actually have a helix five on the pontoon. 
too. Oh. I, I like I didn't wow. even realize when I got the pontoon boat that it came with a Helix Five. Nice. That's... Maybe that's a good time to give a little electronics break and tell your pontoon story. Oh man, what a what an absolute shit show that was. <laughs> it was scary, honest to God. It was it was scary. Um, it, so the the backstory is is I bought this pontoon boat last year and I bought it brand new. And I love it, but it the elect something was always not quite right with the electrical. It just it burned a battery like immediately, and I I had to replace the battery and you know get another you know try another one and burnt that one. So finally, after getting it out of storage this spring, uh, the guy who did who who stores it, he was like, "Look, Owen, I think you've got you know a a I don't know what what he said." It, I don't know if it was a bad ground or, or a, a missing ground or something like that, but it was like covering the, there was like a lot of white dust and it was, so essentially it was because it's really effed up with electric. I called the dealership. Obviously I wasn't particularly pleased. I haven't even, oh, it's telling me my my connection is unstable. Your audio is out? really bad right now. Yeah, that's terrible. Your wife's is probably it? watching Sex in the City or something. Well, we got to get her <laughs> off of Netflix. <laughs> is that any is that any better now? Yeah, it yeah, sounds it. better. Okay, all right. So so, anyways, uh, I'm I call the dealership and they're from they're in Ohio. They're like two hours away. And this is not an expensive pontoon boat when it comes to pontoon boats. This is like the 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 very bottom of the line. So I didn't think that they would really, you know, make much of a uh, you know make much of it or really give you know really care that I was having these issues. But sure enough, they got back to me immediately and uh they offered to send a driver out two plus hours to pick the pontoon boat up drive it back to their shop in ohio and look at it so i'm like okay great you know that's that's a hell of a lot more than i expected a dealership to do so i had to drive up to canadota on tuesday and and uh and meet the guy and you know load the thing on a trailer and say goodbye and i'll see it in a couple weeks so everything's going fine I get on the pontoon boat. I get the thing started. I'm driving it down. We 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 get it onto the trailer. You know, it's it's up on the. These pontoon trailers are weird. They're just it's basically just like one big. So here's about where things went wrong. Yes. So <laughs> this is like where this is where you kind of have to understand what this thing looks like. It look kind of just is a is a skinny flatbed. In the sense that, you know, you got the pontoons that are out wide and then the trailer goes down the middle of the pontoons. OK, in between the pontoons. So this trailer is huge. They, they, this guy had just dropped off like a 25 foot pontoon boat at Pima Tuning before coming over to Canadota to pick mine up. So my boat's only 18 feet. So it, it, it's small on this trailer. So the question was, you know, where do you position it on the trailer? I don't know. I'm, that's not my job. But so the guy's like, oh, here's how we're going to do it. You know, he does it. And it's like back towards the very end of the uh, end of the trailer. And 
it was fine. Then he decides he wants to mess with it some more. And he's like, yeah, let's pull it up a little bit. It, it needs to come up a little bit. So it comes up a little bit. And I'm on it. Like, I'm on the pontoon boat because I'm like, yes. So. <laughs> At this point, starts... it's on land, correct? It's no, no longer. No, 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 no. It's still oh, in the water. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. It's still in the water at this point. And he's like, you can stay on it while I pull it up. I'm like, all right, you know, that's fine. So he pulls it up. Luckily, I was standing right in the middle when he pulled it up. Okay. Because as he pulled it up and he, we made it all the way up onto the flat, the flat part of the, of the boat ramp. And, you know, he gets out of the, he gets out of the cab of the truck and he comes to the back because we're going to snap the, the cover onto onto the boat so it can be trailer and so i had been standing right in the middle of the boat and as i move over to the where the steering wheel is because i'm going to start snapping things all of a sudden it starts to tip ever so gradually <laughs> and i'm like what is going on here and i'm and i i you know you know that sensation that you're moving and you're not sure whether you're actually moving or not or like passing out was. and i'm like whoa and this thing starts to tip and i'm like holy shit and I'm like scr scrambling up the other side of the pontoon boat, like like it's the Titanic. You know, I'm going up the other side, and I'm I'm running up the other side. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And I hear him yelling. The guys, the, and here's this guy who just he's like from Ohio, and he's probably shitting himself because here's this pontoon boat that's that's literally it's coming out of his off paycheck. Of the trailer. Yes, it is literally tipping off of the trailer with the customer in it. So. And finally, because I'm like counterweighting it and he was hanging on the other side to counterweight it, it just kind of slid down like. <laughs> nice and gently and came to rest, just sitting against the pontoon. Yeah, like just super gently didn't didn't like, you know, banged in nothing. And I'm just, you know, I, I my life just flashed before my eyes because when that thing started to tip. I thought for sure that it was going to tip and flip. Like I didn't I, like I'm I'm thinking, well, what happens on a pontoon boat once it once it hits that, you know, that vertical point? I'm thinking it's going to go over on top of me. Oh, you're I'm good. Like, they got they have a roll cage on them. The Bimini top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You haven't watched watched much qualified captain. Those Bimini tops get torn off like, made out of pop like it's nobody's business. So anyways, it ended up being no harm, no foul, because luckily my my buddy, Jamie, who does all, all my work at the cottage up there, he was nearby with his crew of four guys and uh, they came and we literally all all six of us lifted the pontoon boat back onto this freaking trailer and sent it on its way. And from so the picture, they, it looked horrible. It looked like it. It yeah. looked like the end of the pontoon from the picture. Dude, I thought for sure. I thought for sure it, I it was just done and over with. And I, I I was so pissed off. And I just I had to like calm myself down, like regroup and just realize like, hey, I'm not hurt. Nobody's hurt. Like, it's just something. It's just a thing. And then when <clears throat> I, I, I didn't I didn't flip out and I just took a look at things and everything looked fine. 
and the dealership seems to be, you know, more than willing to take care of if there's anything wrong with it. So that was going to be my next question. Did this guy uh, confess no, to his boss? He did not. He did not. Okay. He did not. Hopefully, his boss, hopefully they don't listen to this. I, no, no. I emailed his boss. Not to be a jack off or anything. Not to be a jack off. I'm like, dude, can you imagine? Can you imagine if something was wrong with that pontoon and it came back to me and I didn't notify them that that had happened? Yeah. Like, I would be, I would look like the biggest asshole. Like, oh, yeah, you're telling me now that this happened? Really? I mean, uh, yeah, no, I, I emailed the guy. I emailed the guy and I just jokingly said, like, boy, this was quite an adventure. Like, ha 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 ha. Uh, you know, no, no harm, no foul, something like that. I'm like, alive. hopefully you can get the boat back. And he emailed me like right back, and he was like, "Oh wow, he conveniently failed to to inform me about that." He was like, "I'll have it, I'll have it looked over." And so he got back to me the next day, and he was like, "We checked it out, like it's it, it's all good." So, so I was say that guy had like a three hour ride back to Ohio, where he just yeah. thought the whole time, "Do I tell my boss? It's not that bad. <laughs> I don't think he's gonna know." Uh, and, so, and it's Tuesday and it's Tuesday afternoon at Canadota Lake, meaning there is nobody there, anybody there. But sure enough, when a pontoon boat tips over, I, we there ended up being like a freaking gallery try, watching <laughs> us try to put this damn thing back up on there. Like like not only did we had Jamie and his four guys, like there's two other guys that show up like people are walking down hearing about it. It's like, oh, man. Word That's big quickly. news. That's big news yeah. up there. Big happening. Oh, yeah. Was uh so you you alluded to not losing your cool at this point, but I just want to know, were you at any point during that process as angry as the Owen I saw in New York <laughs> after getting uh, his booth stolen by his yes. arch nemesis? Uh, no, no, I was not nearly as angry. This was more scared, to be perfectly honest with you, because I was genuinely scared when I was on this thing and it was tipping. And so when I, when I wasn't hurt and it didn't look like it was like badly damaged, I couldn't be mad. You know what I mean? Like at first I was like, how, you know, how could this happen? But you know, it just happened. So I, I can't complain. Smile. What's up, Donnie? Swing smile. <laughs> What the hell happened in New York? Oh, you weren't. Oh, oh boy. No. <laughs> we're not going to go there. Yeah, that's for another, that's another, for another podcast. Day. For another day. Well, to put us back on track, did the incident ruin your transducer? The no, I, it, because the transducer is on the very back of the pontoon of the pontoon boat. You so, should go kick uh, it off and tell them you need a, a new. Uh, <laughs> You ruined my live scope. Felix 10 live. Yeah, you need it. was a Garmin live scope or something. Take a bat. Look, it broke it right off. I feel like the good news is is we're going to have the the pontoon boat is due to be delivered back this week in time for my parents' 50th anniversary party at the the lake. So I'm going to be shuttling shuttling people around on the uh, the Dota this weekend. Nice. Every day shuttling. (laughs) <laughs> Jeez. God. shuffling on the nine nine at the dota uh i want to get back into this electronics thing because i have a couple more questions well we cut you off before ryan talk about your fish hawk what tell us what the fish hawk is and what it does and how you work it because that's you you have a lot of experience with that well, i mean the biggest thing that's 
it's not anywhere near what we're talking about with electronics in yeah, general. Yeah, but it's, it's useful. Just, it's, it's just the fact you know. that it's the fact that you know when you're trolling, you want to know where your baits are running. You know, and, and Donnie kind of alluded to this, like some of the electronics that are out there, you can actually see your baits, like live scope. You can really get a sense of as where those baits are running in the column. You know, all these baits have these like depth charts, right? Well, what I was noticing, we've talked about this before about cedar or wooden baits, like they're not all consistent. You know, plastic, you're going to get a little bit more consistency out of if somebody tells you this bait's going to be six foot down and 20 feet back. That's all relative to your reel, you know, what line you're using, all that stuff. Well, after talking to Evan about this and Charlie too, it was like, again, I was just looking for a tool, that electronics piece that could help me kind of just dial in, you know, to try to catch more fish. And the fish hawk is something that's out there that's typically used by like Great Lakes fishermen, you know, for for depth and temperature and all that stuff. Uh, there's, they sell these little units. They're about 150 bucks. They have a onboard battery that'll last for like five plus years. So you can't actually change the battery in these things. You have to buy a brand new unit when they die. But the whole point to this is the little fish hawk unit, you attach to your line and you send it down you know, to essentially where your bait's running. It's like a little swivel it looked like, right? Like it's, it's a little it's snap. A, it's not, yeah, it's a, it's a swivel that snaps onto your line and you send it, send it down to your lure or your dipsy or whatever you're doing. And what it'll do is it'll gauge the water depth at where it hits and it'll tell you the temperature. So as far as like me trying to figure out where these baits are running in the column, like particularly these cedar baits, it's made a huge difference for me to be able to dial in my baits. So you know, now I know if I've got, for example, uh, whatever it is, you know, if, if it's a, a Leo, Mojo or a Magnum, you know, you might have a couple of those that run a foot deeper or so than the others. Like that's one way to find out. So you take that thing, you send it down, it hits your lure, you reel it back up. It'll tell you the water temp and the depth that it was at. And that's, uh, you know, that's one of those useful tools out there if you're doing a lot of trolling, because you know, you guys can attest to this. Like if you're not running the baits where you think, you know, they should be run or where they should be run, you know, if you're seeing bait at eight foot down and you know, like that's pretty much where you're going to, you know, want to run your baits, like in that range, like you got to know what it's going to take to get them there. That my, my method, uh, trolling them on last year and my inaugural trolling summer was just, if the bait gets snagged on the bottom, that's how deep it's running. So the fish hawk sounds a little nicer. Well, the thing is like, I've heard people say like, <laughs> Oh, you need to go out there and find humps. Like just go find humps and run your baits into the humps. So, you know, like, okay, if the humps are 10 foot down, you know, this bait's getting 10 foot down. That's worked for years and years and years and years. And there's a lot of good fishermen out there that have been doing that for years and years and years. I'm a, a, again, like technology major. Like if it wasn't for Evan, I probably wouldn't have known that this thing existed. But like the fact that I'm a technology major made me want to buy one. And guess what? Like I don't have to spend all the time now looking for humps to bang my lures off of, you know, you just send it. And that's, that's the beautiful thing of it. So not really like what we're talking about, but at the same time, it still is electronics, I guess. So It's electronics. <laughs> Yeah, but that thing is, I mean, Dan's got one, you know, it's, 
it is super helpful. You just, you got to be running the baits where they need to be run. You know, that's the thing. Like, you know, even you talk about short lining, like Donnie, you caught a fish in a tournament, you know, running a, a bait that was really, really high. Like during that tournament, I was probably running everything still a touch low. You know, I probably needed to be a foot higher and maybe that's all it was, was a foot, you know, a foot higher and the fish hawk's not going to necessarily save you there, but you know, I hawked one of the baits I was running and realized that 15 feet of line, it was running a little bit deeper than I thought it was. Unfortunately, I did that at the end of the second day and <laughs> we didn't even fish the third day of the tournament. So, you know, that one foot of difference, had I known, or if I would have done that, it, it, I mean, who knows? Maybe I would have caught a fish. I don't know. Should we get into some of our little hacks and tips and stuff, or where do we want to go from here with our... Yeah, I'd love to know what you guys are, you know, what features, what things you guys are finding really helpful. Because, you know, me looking at buying a boat, I'm pretty much set on a hummingbird and I'm fairly certain I want like a Helix 10 or a 12. But I would really like your opinions and I would really like to understand, you know, what features you guys are finding beneficial. Firing right off the hip, I say get the bigger screen. Yeah, I learned that the hard way. 1,000%. I if I were to do it again, I would get the biggest screen that I could afford. Get the 15. These eyeballs are getting old, man. It's harder. You think it's good. It's all, oh, seven inch screen. I can see that. But there are so many times I'm like bending over to like squint. Oh, yeah. I've, I find myself, you know, like, like we were saying earlier about not wanting to map the lake. You just want to go out and fish it. I find myself like not looking at my electronics because they're too hard. It's too far away for me to see. And so I just fish from sight. Like I know where, I know exactly where the, mm -hmm. the weed line is here. I know exactly where, you know, wh what it is. So 100% get the biggest unit you can possibly have put in at that time. Um, Especially when you're, you're, you're split screen. You like, regret it. I know Tell Donnie yeah. likes to do it. I know I do it. You run the split screen. You got a Helix 7. That sounds all nice and dandy. But now you just took your Helix 7 to a Helix 3.5. Right. Like, so even if you like that split screen feature, man, go with the big screen. It's, it's worth it. It sucks. I don't, we talked about this before and I don't understand why a bigger screen means a thousand more dollars for your unit, you know, but just right. it, suck it up and get the big screen. It's, it'll, it'll make it life really, easier. It really does seem strange to me because you're not, you know, the technology does not seem to be, uh, I guess, multiplying the same way that the price does you know like the you know you're getting the exact same thing just in a smaller unit uh yeah bigger tvs cost more than than smaller tvs but not not exponentially more not like I a mean, thousand dollars per inch like they are they are i mean they they're they are they get expensive as they get up there and what's the biggest uh helix they make is it a 12 uh, because 15. i think to get bigger you don't you have to go i think it jumps up yeah, no they have a 15 really? has, do they kellen uh, has a helix 15 he bought it last year trust me i think it's like a it flat screen me, tv makes me want to get rid of my town and get one but it's it gotta is be massive. huge yeah it's huge it's, it, last year he bought the new helix 15 gen 4 and it shits all over my 
Helix Ten why, Gen. 3. Why do we not have Bluetooth? Why do we not have Bluetooth compatibility to be able to put your iPad or whatever you know, whatever else you want a bigger a bigger display? You know, all you're doing, all you don't, you don't want something to run, a, you know, to, to do anything different. You just want something to mirror that mm. display. I mean, you just, just you just are going to lose that money. Display. That's exactly it. You just answered your own question. It's literally the same thing that Apple does. And I'm, I like, I love Apple products. Like that's what I do, but that's the reason is because they're not going to, they're not going to open it up for you to use whatever device you want on that boat with their transducers, their transducers. They want you to pay for that extra screen size. And that's mm -hmm. all it is. Well, just to give us a gauge there, how much do you know ballpark Donnie, what his 15 cost? Like, are we talking two grand? Are we talking? Yeah, I think, I it's think gotta it be was, 25. Yeah, it's got to no, be 25. More than that. Okay. So was, I think it was three, maybe, 30, park at maybe 30, even so. 35. And now that's like the top end one that has your GPS, your downside, yeah. your it's link compatible, whatever, right? Oh, it's, yeah, it was. Okay. Um, so for my, that's a 15 for my Helix 7 with the same exact features. I think I was like in 600 bucks, 700 bucks. So all you're doing is doubling the size of your screen and that what that triples the price like at least it's it's unreal to me it, it makes no sense I uh there's a guide that I saw and I think I might have been with Donnie that day we were up fishing last year it was like in the spring there was a guide that was up there that just got a new boat and I was looking and he literally had like three of those 15 inch displays like all yeah. around the boat and i was just sitting there and i'm like it looked like it looked like my like my control center at work like it literally looks like my my desk i have like three displays and like all and i'm just looking at it and i'm like it's just glowing you know like yeah, with was, all uh, these screens musky mark it was musky mark yes mark's musky adventures i was just amazed i was like that it just you could I just tell him. i see him out and about every now and again he's yeah he's got <laughs> He's got quite a movie theater going on in there. Surround sound and everything. <laughs> it's wild. I mean, getting back to the hacks, another little, we were talking earlier about how we have our a unit up front, a unit in a dash, whatever. I think it's pretty common knowledge, but you can get those RAM mounts. So like when I say I have my unit dash mounted, I don't have it physically in the dashboard. I have it off to the side on a RAM mount. So I'm watching it when I'm driving, you know, that's that my, that my dash, my quote dash mounted unit is the one with the bells and whistles that has my GPS, my side imaging, all that fun stuff. So I'm able to watch that while I'm on the outboard. And then when I hop up front, the cast, you just loosen your Ram mount, spin it around, and boom, you have a graph right there too. Can, can I ask about that? Cause I'm really interested in that. Is there yeah. like when you, when you have a side console or a console, like, is there like any type of limitation there on the size of the graph or can you literally just work around that dash with like a yeah. ram mount? Like I have you no mean, idea. Like, like Donnie I say, thought a musky there was mark. a limitation, but <laughs> Kelly proved me wrong last year when he bought a, a graph that was more expensive than the boat that he owns. <laughs> you can see the, it, and, and, and the screen is bigger than the windshield on his side. <laughs> I was going to say you use some of them as a windshield <laughs> in the consoles. That's yeah, basically, is his windshield. So, yeah, you can. Stack apparently, there is no limit if you if you're willing to get in there and start screwing some shit together. So the dealer won't do that. Work. Then. Like uh, if you, yeah. if you, will the dealer do that? Well, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That. yeah that well, was, they they Kevin jack has his own boat, but 
You mean will they dash mount your unit? Yeah, well they They'll work. Find oh, yeah. A way to mount yeah. It. yeah. You, from oh. from low, that was an option. So that that caused the whole debacle with my boat. That's why I have a gaping hole in my dashboard. Cuz I didn't I didn't select the dash mounted option, but they dash mounted this old like Lorance 4-inch like bare bones unit in my dash, which my full intention like I knew the stock unit was junk, so I'm like I'm going to sell this thing on eBay. But I walk into the room and I have the shiny new boat in front of me. I should be so happy. And my eyes go right to that unit in the dashboard. And I'm like, what did you do? <laughs> so I took the unit out. And for like a season and a half, I just had a big gaping hole in the dashboard. I'd, I, cut, my, I'd cut my arm on it, snag hooks on it. Like I remember I was. Uh, we talked about this. We were going to get you one of them fake CD. Remember yeah, like case? a cassette player. <laughs> like the cases that went over the old CD players. Uh-huh. Yeah, I got it all fixed though. But yeah, so moral of story, they will dab, but be very clear whether or not you want it dash mounted. Like what your plan is, you know, going forward. If you're gonna ditch the stock unit or keep it or sounds like I, I should I just stay away from the Johnstown. I do think there are like some limitations to like weight and stuff for side consoles and things to answer your question, Ryan, but to your same point, I think you know, most dealers would probably find a way to to make it work if you tell them that's what you want. You know, like they might have to kind of jerry rig something or like mine. I have that they, you know, I talked to the guy about it and he told me what he would do because he's he had done it before. But like he re, he shirt up under my console for my Helix Ten because mine would my tracker was going to come with the same stupid unit that. Tom was talking about probably, but he did like he mounted a piece of wood underneath the plastic of my side console to like through bolt to rather than to to kind of strengthen it rather than just through bolting right to that thin plastic of the I side gotcha. console, and and that makes I mean mine's very solid so you know they uh, they did a pretty good job with that at the dealer where I had mine done so. So you guys recommend then if you depending upon hey guys, your budget. I'm, I, I gotta bounce out of here. Uh oh, dad do, dad duty calls. Yeah, I gotta I gotta go take care of my dad duties here. So you guys uh feel Pappy gives you permission to stay up as long as you guys oh, like you know, oh, electronics. Oh Here's where it goes the shit. Tom. I didn't realize I'm gonna so head out of here. Have All a good right. night, guys. See ya. See ya. See Here's ya. Here's where here's where she takes a nosedive. No, oh, I'm, we're gonna we're gonna keep this on point and we're gonna do it quick. All right. I, uh, you know, like so, the recommendation is buy whatever size you can afford, basically, right? Like, yeah, as big as you can afford, and maybe and max because out no a second. What, you're gonna get it, and then you're it's gonna be great for a little while, and then you're gonna get on someone else's boat that has a bigger one, or you're gonna see a bigger one, and you're gonna wish that you had the bigger one. So yeah. if you can get the bigger one, go bigger. You're no. not going, you're never going to have a bigger unit and say, man, I this wish sucks. I bought that smaller. <laughs> I wish I never bought heard anyone five. say that ever. Yeah. Not one person. It's like so, a TV. You can't, it's like a TV, get a 90 inch TV. Your neighbor gets a hundred inch or you're like, ah, shit, right. this is cooler. And the I biggest wanna, you can afford. The triple split. Okay. How much, how much of the time? are you guys using on let's say Donnie on your helix 10 how much of the time are you 
using GPS, side scan, and 2D all at the same time? Almost all the time. And if it's not that three-way split, then it's just side scan and map. Okay. But most of the time, I mean, you know, barring certain things, if I was vertical jigging or, or what have you, but if I'm talking, if we're talking trolling or casting, I'm always using either 2D or down. But honestly, I don't know why. I think maybe it's just because I've always, like, I'm very familiar with 2D because I always had it on my first boat. And it's like, I use 2D sonar more than I use my mega down. Uh, Personally, I don't, I'm not going to say that's right. It's just what I do. Like, I use that screen. Uh, Yeah, I, I feel like I know what I'm looking at for the most part. So, you know, like, it doesn't make much of a difference to me to see the details of a crib on down imaging as opposed to 2D. As long as I know it's a crib, mm-hmm. it it is what it is. But that's just me anyway. But yeah, it's always side imaging and map or side imaging 2D and map. Okay. Tom, what about you? You're, you're casting <laughs> more than you're trolling at this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, but like... So my front one, it only has one setting. It's the regular old 2D bare bones. You know, you see like an arch, whatever. So that stays that way. That never changes. And then my dash one, depending, like Donnie said, it really depends like what you're doing. But I'll run that one with the mega down imaging since I already have like a 2D sonar reading up front. But then I'll run it next to either the side imaging or the map, like the GPS, depending on what I'm doing. Like if I'm trying to... Like, I don't know, say I'm trying to cast like a real, like Donnie said, like a crib that I have marked in a waypoint. Like, I know this is right here. I'll be on my map. Say I'm just out, you know, browsing, just trying to learn some new water. I'll put it to that side imaging and mega down imaging. And I like that mega down imaging reading off the back because one of the reasons, like, you can kind of see on your 2D sonar, like, once you get an eye for it. But that mega down imaging really shows you the bottom well. Like, whether you're in weeds, rocks, like, whatever, you can really get a good idea of that, looking at the Mega Down, compared to, like, your 2D. But, like, there's some guys that are real experienced on 2D. You can, like, tell by the colors and how hard the bottom is, like, what you're looking at or whatever. But, like, the, the down imaging is kind of like a cheat sheet for that. That's okay. why I like that. So that you're that's right. super helpful. Yeah. I have another question. Can I keep going with questions? Just yeah. Fire away. All right, so another question I would have is we talked about this a little bit earlier about the like the um, using some of the features to mark like shallow water, right? Like on those hummingbird units, you can mark like I don't want to call them danger areas, but like shallow water. Mm-hmm. Now, I know some people do this, and I, f- I think this has helped us this year even really to kind of mark your shallow points. Like say if you want to stay and I'm just going to say like, say you want a short line, it's a spring. You want to go out in short line. Like you want to stay in like four to seven feet of water, whatever that is. Okay. Whatever water depth you want to be in. One to three. Do you, <laughs> one to three, whatever it is. Like, do you mark your, do you guys actually spend time and mark the shallow water so that you can follow the graph better or are you just like using auto chart because that's a question that i need to figure out like how i would want to do that 
it'll do that itself. I think that's just a setting, right, Donnie? Like you can set it the highlight whatever whether it be greater than five feet less than five feet one to five feet you can set that and it'll do it automatically like you don't have to go around doing that no yeah you can set that's like an instant Uh, i don't use that feature all that often uh i know talking to ryan uh you know some other guys do and it seems like it's pretty helpful for them it's something that i've thought you know maybe i should use more but honestly i uh, you know when i troll especially in the time of year when ryan's talking about uh i'm more of a freelance than i think a lot of guys i think that helps and hurts me at times but i do a lot of like circles and zigzags and crazy shit like i don't i'm not doing a lot of like running lines Mm -hmm. necessarily like a trolling line like some guys do you know i'm usually like let's let's just say i'm 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 in a field that's dangerous that maybe a lot of other people with big glass boats wouldn't want to go in and i'm just circling around crappy fishermen and shit uh getting wild and that's kind of the way I fish, you know, it's, it's different than other people in that regard, but, you know, I've had success doing it, but, you know, so those types of features just aren't really helpful for me necessarily. I don't think as much in those scenarios. Okay. So what about you, Tom? Do you use any of that stuff? I don't, I mean, I do, but not a lot. I should use it more. I do. I, I did, was thinking of a scenario last year. I was using it a lot for night fishing down on the river, just cause I'm going to like target that like real extra shallow stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not that you can't do that without that feature, but I mean, at night when you're looking at your graph from like halfway across the boat and your eyes are tired, it's kind of nice to just see like go off a of color instead of going off little teeny tiny numbers on your screen and it makes life easier if you take the time to do it. And it's really not complicated. It's just like a matter of like, I have other shit to worry about and I never do it. I thought about this for me too. Like if I say I buy a boat and like this fall, I want to spend some time out in deeper water, but I want to spend like, I want to spend it in a specific like range or depth, right? Like say I want to focus on whatever that number is. Like I thought maybe if I ran those settings and like shot the shallow setting up to And then maybe there's another, there's like another set of settings on there that you can set up for like the opposite end of it. I thought maybe like shifting the colors would give me like a white, like a reference point to stay in. You know what I mean? Like people are following their, their GPS. And like, that's something I was always been interested in because again, I don't have the experience you guys do driving the boat, you know? And when you think about lakes like Pima tuning, you guys know how it can be with those humps and those areas and those points. Like a lot of our lakes and reservoirs are like that where you're running a line and all of a sudden there's a point there and you're all, you go from 10 feet of water to like three, you know, it happens a lot at, you know, some of these lakes like, uh, like out at Glendale and stuff, you know? So I thought maybe that would be a useful thing. And I was kind of, that's why I wanted your opinions on it. Um, what else? What other features do you guys use? Like, I had a note in my phone going off. I was just saying night fishing. I mean, it's pretty obvious, but turn the brightness down at night. Like, you will blind yourself. You don't realize it, but, like, I'll get out night there. And I'll, mode. Yeah, night well, mode. Yeah, well, dude, no, below night mode. Night mode's too bright. 
Like I will, like if I select night mode, I think it puts your brightness like somewhere toward the low end. I'll take it the whole way to like zero or one or whatever the lowest is. Is the screen some, black? No, I mean, damn near it. Like if you would look at it in the daytime, you wouldn't be able to see it. But like when you're out, like for me, I'm in the river and there's no light pollution. There's no light around. You're like, you cannot see your reel in your hands. And if you're looking at a bright screen set to eight or even night mode on three, dude, that will mesh with your eyes so much. And you don't realize it until you drop that brightness down. And then suddenly you can see your reel in your hand. Suddenly you can see your feet like underneath you. It's, and I think, it, I mean, it's pretty obvious, but like it's, I didn't do it for the longest time. And then someone told me to, or I forget how it happened or I figured it out. And then it was amazing the difference it made. Even in the evening, like if you have your, your shit cranked up to 10 during the day and it starts to get dark in the evening, you'll notice it's like kind of exhausting on the eyes. That's, a, that's something I never really thought of. That's it's like your iPhone. Your iPhone has that night mode. Like you're laying in bed and you open a text and you're like, oh my God. Like It's the same with your fish finder. <laughs> hey, here's, like you, here's the even better tip because this is something that I do all the time. When you put your boat or when you put your graph in night mode when you're fishing into the evening or at dark remember to turn it off or at least turn it off when you get on your boat the next time rather than fish for multiple hours squinting at your graph and adjusting settings thinking is my that, battery you know, dying why why is this so dark why why can't i get my settings right oh yeah it's in night mode i've done that so many times I, I don't even, I hate to even actually admit it how many times I've probably done that. Just left it in night mode for half of the next day or whatever. Then you finally realize it. Like, oh, wow. That looks mm -hmm. so much better. And a cool feature that like you can change the color scheme too. I'll do that at night. Like, cause there's certain colors. Like I can't remember off the top of my head, but like either reds or greens are harder on the eyes in the dark. So you can go from like, your standard side imaging, whatever you're looking at, it's like black and yellow. You can change that color scheme up to whatever your eyes feel best with. You know, you could do like black and green, blue and pink, I think's an option. Like sometimes some settings are harder than others on the eyes for sure. And sometimes you can see more on certain settings. I have a couple more questions here. Okay. Ask away. All right. So number one, what is what is the craziest thing you guys have seen on side scan? <clears throat> I saw a boat with the bimini top still on it. Yeah. I think I sent you guys that picture on the mon. You you did. I remember that. Mm -hmm. You could see it clear as day. You could see the little top on it. You could just about see where the outboard was. I've seen a boat. Uh, I found a sunken barge on the river. That was a, a pretty cool one. And uh, I found a car at a oh, yeah. lake up in uh, up north, a small <laughs> lake up north, I'll say. Uh, that was actually I think I think I might have been with the, one of our, one of our missing hunks tonight. Uh, with Mr. Fiesler when he yeah. found that car, if I'm not mistaken. But He's good at finding not. things that aren't fish. Yeah, well, that's for damn sure. Anchor ribs. Yeah. 
I, yeah. I take that back. I, so I found the boat, but I forgot about this one. So I found. I'll throw a power dam back. I'm just like destroying power dam tonight. But so I'm no at power dam. No one's gonna Sorry. come. Nobody, yeah, nobody gives a shit anyway. I, I dare <laughs> them to try. But so you're, I'm out down by the dam, and it's pretty. It's the deepest end of the lake, like 70, 80 feet of water. And I'm chugging along, trolling the one day just to try to like get a better lay of the land. And I froze my graph because I could see something goofy. And with the helixes, you know, you can zoom in. So I zoom in, zoom in, zoom in as far as it goes. And I'm looking at it, and it's a ladder. I'm like, how the hell does a ladder get on the bottom of the water in like 80 feet, 70, 80 feet of water? And I think I posted it up on my Instagram and someone told me, they're like, I bet that was from an ice fisherman. Because apparently like the ice will crack and they'll use ladders to kind of like bridge their way across the ice, whatever. Mm. So I might have found someone's ice fishing honey hole. In 80 feet of water, that's insane. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe like 70 maybe. Wow. <coughs> All right. That was that's, a fun one. That is cool though. I mean, that's why I wanted to ask. Cause like, I haven't really seen a whole bunch of like, we, we see, we find like old bridges and like, I don't need to know what a crib looks like on side scan because I've wrestled like four cribs both side this year already. I know what cribs <laughs> look like, uh, but you know, it's just kind of cool seeing that stuff. Um, and I actually had two other ones that were like Wait, really good. I forgot. Muskies. Those are pretty cool to see on side scan uh-huh. too. Yeah, that is. Uh, I agree. I that don't is know how you, we could have left those out. But. When you can call your shot like we did with Donnie, when you're like fish to the right, zip. Yep. That makes it fun. It's like Go playing ahead. a video game. Yeah, that's. Uh, you do it with live scope. Mm, think that's fun. I don't even want to. I can't catch fish as is. What are you gonna? You're gonna put me on live scope? I'll never. I'll just stare at the screen the whole time. It is. It's mesmerizing. It really is. All right. Uh, what? What else? I had two other questions, and I can't remember what they were. You should have wrote them down. I know, but it was like one of those spontaneous things that popped into yeah. my brain. Um. Well, I, I can't remember. So I, I feel can't like remember either of them. Well, what's the like? I mean. That's the thing is there's so many different types of electronics out there. Like right. if you had to pick one view on your hummingbird, whether that was side scan, whatever it is, the GPS, the side scan, the down scan, whatever it is, what's, what's the one view you're going with and why? You're making, you're, you're making us choose between the map and, and yes. Okay. Well, mm. I mean, <clears throat> For anywhere, any any circumstance, you get you get one view. I think I'm going I mean, back. It's, Go it's got to be the map. It's got to yeah. be the map. That's the most useful tool on your on your unit. That has it all. Okay, that's you what I was going to. Yeah. Is it worth now? From what you guys have today, like Tom, you have the two the two separate units, but the one with just the two D. Like, do you guys feel that having two units, you know, maybe one for just like mapping GPS or mapping, do you feel that that's like super important or do you feel like you can get away with one unit with the, maybe the triple or the split? You can get away, but you're losing a little bit of, like I was saying earlier, you don't realize how small and granted you can adjust how much each 
takes up on like which side of the screen you can like change the slider which shows more but when you're looking at a helix 7 again for example when you're looking at that map split screen with side imaging man you're that muskie that you're looking for is like the size of a half of a grain of rice on that screen like and your map unless you're zoomed the whole way in you can't see shit either like it's it's well worth it i think so donnie god i would say in my experiences now having my unit having you know seen kellen's you know unit i think you either if you're if you're going to have a 10 or smaller yes two units or i think you can get away with it if you're going 12 or 15 i think even my unit honestly when i split down to three you know I, sometimes i struggle a little bit with my side imaging you know i mean don't get me wrong i use it and it's it's I, I'm able to mark fish and whatever, but I just, you know, then I, I get on say Kellen's boat and, you know, I see how much more, you know, he's, he's able to see and how big that side imaging screen is and, and just how much more clear it is. And it's just like, oh man, you know, I, I wish I would have, I wish I did that. But uh, honestly, I think, that being said, like, you know, going back to your dash mount thing, you know, part of me thinks that maybe two tens or something like that would be better on a boat like mine, as opposed to that big giant screen though. Uh, so there's, there's that to factor in, you know, whatever you're more comfortable with, but uh, that would be, I don't know. That's, that's, that's what I would do with my next move. If it were me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've heard Lawrence has like better, you know, t- 2D or down scan or whatever you want to call it. You know, Hummingbird, the side scan. We've talked about some of the live scope stuff. I personally, based on, you know, and this is just me fishing with you guys, fishing with other guys. Like, I personally feel like if I were to buy a boat today, I would probably stick with a Hummingbird and I would probably. St- stick with the helix that line um what do you guys feel would be a good resource or like where would you guys go if you were trying to do research to buy electronics and compare how would you guys go about doing that that's just one question like as a fisherman what's your what's the best way for you to figure out as much as possible about these things so that you can make the best decision for you Donnie, you take that. I'm looking up this guy that I used to watch. I mean, I think the I think the best thing you can do is find somebody that's already knowledgeable about it and and you know, pick their brain on it or you know, hopefully get them to to take you out and kind of show you some things or whatever, show you about them. I think that's that's the most helpful and the most useful thing you could possibly do. But obviously that's not an option for everyone. I would say the next, next case would be online, uh, whether it be YouTube or, you know, hummingbird websites or, you know, Facebook has, and I'm, I'm in a bunch of them. There's a bunch of different like private electronic groups, like humming, 
users of hummingbird electronics or you know q a type things and you know i don't even have a live i don't even have live scope but i'm in a you know garmin live friends of garmin live scope or whatever the hell it is i don't know but it's just yeah you know, I, I get knowledge from that that stuff all the time sometimes i'm sitting on the crapper and i'm scrolling facebook and i start reading about some some other guy's problem with live scope and then i read the comments on how people tell him to fix it and it's just like oh, all right you know i think if you're just <laughs> getting into it <clears throat> like if you're just getting into it ryan like you or like even owen earlier was saying like how he has trouble understanding it man start with sonar like 2d start with understanding your 2d sonar and I, would, I did that. There's this guy on YouTube. His name's Mike Smedley, and he makes these videos called Sonar for Dummies. And there's, they're, like, broken up into lessons, like how to, like, like that thing I was saying earlier about the cone. So, like, I learned that in one of his videos, the Sonar for Dummies. Like, And once you have an understanding of that 2D, like, conical-shaped sonar, it makes it way easier to understand, like, the side imaging mm. and your other, your, your mega down, like, just learning... Yeah, yeah learning what those arches mean on the screen and learning what like the different colors mean on 2d like that that'll take you a long way if you're if you're just getting into electronics i think too donnie your point about youtube and stuff like that i, I remember i was out on the boat with brian uh luffy and brady last year and we were seeing all this what i was considering bait you know i was looking at the screen and i was like that looks a lot like bait but it was like stacked vertically well mm -hmm. You know, Brian was like, those are, those are crappies. Like that's how they stack in the column. And I was like, I had no idea. I'd never seen that before. So I went online and I'd, I'd watched a couple of videos and stuff. And sure enough, like that's, mm -hmm. that's exactly what we were seeing. And like, I believed him at the time, but like I wanted to dig in and, and do some research and I was able to find some videos on that. And I think, you know, for somebody yeah. like me or the, the guys that maybe struggle like Owen, you know, I think there's a lot of resources out there that we don't necessarily like find right away because we might not be searching for the right things or you know i just i think there's and a lot let's be there. real we live Fish. in a world where that you know there's so much information at our fingertips now like mm -hmm. uh you know it's it it really is it, you know it can be it's almost overwhelming to that that regard because you know you could search hummingbird fish finder on youtube and get 10 billion videos to pop up or whatever you know not everyone that makes a youtube video is an expert by any means either so you know sometimes you got to weed through and and kind of figure out okay this guy actually knows what he's talking about and whatever but there's a ton of information out there but also uh backing up for a minute because you know i know i touched like i said going out with somebody that knows what they're doing. And, and I said, how, you know, not everybody has that opportunity, but like, that's another thing where, you know, fishing with a guide, you know, I, I got to throw in that little plug, you know, for yeah, that. That's how I learned. I mean, that's where I started from. I had no, no uh, history with electronics whatsoever. I had no, before I got the Sylvan, you know, in 2016, I had never used a boat electronic of any sort in my entire life. And I bought a Helix 7 Gen 1 because that's what my friend in Minnesota told me to buy. 
Shout out Dave McNellis. Uh, but I didn't have a single clue how to use it. I didn't, you know, I'd mounted it myself. I didn't know if it was really mounted, you know, well, me and my dad and, you know, I, I didn't take into account pitch of the transducer or any of that crap. We just screwed it onto the back and plugged it in and sent it. But, you know, I went and I fished with, you know, I was starting out musky fishing and I fished with Todd Young and I fished with Brian Clark and I watched how those guys were using their units and, and I asked them questions, you know, of what they were doing and why they were doing these things. And like, I re remember vividly being on Brian Clark's boat opening weekend of Chautauqua in 2017. And, you know, we were trolling and I was just sitting there all day, just like pointing at things and asking them, like, what's this on side imaging? What's that? What's, you know, what is this? Is that really fish? Well, what's that? What's that? You know? And, and he was showing me and telling me these things. And, and that's how I started to learn and make sense of what I was even looking at. And I mean, that knowledge is just invaluable to, to get on the boat with somebody that's already used it and knows what they're, they're doing. That's the easiest way you're going to learn fastest way. Anyhow. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point too. I mean, that's the thing is like, those guide trips aren't always about catching fish, you know, right. it's like, it's an opportunity. Like guys, guys get, sometimes they miss that point. It's like you, you pay Todd or Vance or Brian or whoever you're going out with, you know, $400 for a day or whatever that is. Like, it's not always about holding the muskie. Like, yeah, I that's, mean, a, that's what I'm saying. You know, you spend what a thousand dollars, you know, what today now, what you're going to spend $2,000 on a unit spend $350 on a guide trip. I don't care, you know, pick your guide, whomever, somebody that knows what they're talking about and, and spend the day some, you know, one of these guys that's an expert in using that piece of equipment and, and take it as a day to ask them how to use the equipment. Don't worry so much about catching a muskie. You know, you mm -hmm. can go out and catch a muskie on your own boat now that you know how to use your electronics yeah yep. and, and you might you'll probably still catch a fish with the guy but i'm saying use that as a day to to learn from these guys you know that's that's that that's the stuff that's invaluable that i think a lot of guys miss when they go on these trips yeah i agree with that i i did spend a ton of time with like doug and joel and i i asked them about electronics and you know what we're the same thing you you did you know what we're seeing on the screen and you know, some of these guys will, will talk to you and we'll share some of that stuff. Like this is what you're looking for, you know, and they can show it to you on the screen. So I, I think that's, that's a huge point that we, you know, sometimes we miss, you know, you just, some of these guys, you know, myself included at times you pay a guy to go get a picture, you know, and sometimes you miss opportunities to learn about that critical stuff. that's going to help you later. Right. So, well, I don't, we beat this one pretty good i uh good as we can beat it i had like a couple more questions but i'll i think i'll pass for right now i at some point i want to talk to you guys about you know water disturbance and and things that i see on graphs that i don't necessarily understand but that that can be a conversation we could for maybe, another day we could do a part two with like an expert since none of us are... yeah i think that's a good idea we should next they, time maybe we could get somebody from hummingbird That'd maybe cool. now you have uh our novice view and we can hit it from the other angle 
We should totally do that, but I can guarantee you they'll end up on uh, Musky 360 in about three days. <laughs> Probably. So, there you go. They, the, Tom will message them, they'll pick a date, and then they'll just never never mm-hmm. message again. They'll just never message us again and just never. go, sh- you know, go jump on uh, on their podcast. Bigger and better things. Yeah, well, God bless them. God. I got I other guess, words. I guess I'll have to go buy live scope after that. Yep, I yep. guess uh, I'm... Uh, I sure as heck ain't listening to Stephen Paul. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. I don't plan on listening to him either. Well, on, on that, that note, note. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> we uh, special thanks to our our sponsor and, and dad who had to go to bed early to put the kids to bed. Big O's Bucktails and Owen Seaman. Did we did we close this out? No, all right, boys. Well, we're gonna close this out now. <laughs> Attempt <laughs> number two. I'm not gonna thank Owen again, so we'll just say bye. Bye. See you next time. I had to shake him on my last case. Big O don't play. Big o don't play.